Good morning. This morning's scripture is from Exodus 3, verses 7 through 14. The Lord said, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I have heard them crying out because of their slave drivers, and I am concerned about their suffering. So I have come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them out of the land into a good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey, the home of the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Perizzites, Hivites, and Jebusites. And now the cry of the Israelites has reached me, and I have seen the way the Egyptians are oppressing them. So now go. I am sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. But, but Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? And God said, I will be with you, and this will be the sign to you that it, that it is I who have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God on this mountain. Moses said to God, Suppose I go to the Israelites and I say to them, The God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they ask me, What is his name? Then what shall I tell them? God said to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. Appreciate the encouragement. Speaking of celebration of life, um, I wanted to mention that uh, we have a first-time guest here this morning. I don't know if you've met, met her or not yet. In fact, it's the first time she's ever been in a church. That's uh, Mariah Megan McGoy is here this morning. And, uh, what a blessing. That's the kind of celebration of life I like to celebrate. In both the Old and the New Testaments, the scriptures are very clear about the virtue of humility. In Isaiah 66, verse 2, God said, But this is the one to whom I will look, he who is humble and contrite in spirit and trembles at my word. So the Lord pays attention or shows favor to that person who humbles himself or herself before God. And also demonstrates a healthy reverence or fear of God and respect for others, for mankind. In James 4, 6 and 1 Peter 5, 5, it reads, God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. And there are a number of other examples, but you get the idea here. Humility is considered a virtue, particularly in regard to your relationship with God. Is it possible, however, that one could be too humble? Or that what one thinks is humility is confused with something else? This morning I want to take a brief look at Moses who experienced a defining moment and appeared to be on the verge of making a very poor choice. Do what one might say was his humility. 
Moses was a, a very humble man. In fact, he is described by God in Numbers 12.3 as the most humble person on the earth during his lifetime. And in the reading you heard in Exodus 3, God had chosen Moses to lead the people of Israel out of Egypt. And in verse 11, Moses said, you know, who, who am I? Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and, and bring the children of Israel out of Egypt? I mean, Moses is expressing to God that he didn't feel competent to perform such a, a challenging task. And when you hear that response by Moses, I mean, it sounds very humble. But in verse 12, God said, hey, I'll be with you. This will be the proof that I am sending you, Moses. After you lead the people out of Egypt, all of you will worship me on this mountain. So God was saying, you know, this is going to happen, Moses, and I'm going to prove it to you. And when God says, I'm going to do this, I mean, there's, there's really no doubting it for us. But Moses still had doubts. You know, his doubts were related to his own concerns about his inability to succeed at what God was calling him to do. And of course, you know, we would all admit that what God was calling him to do was no small task. In verse 13, Moses raised a concern about what God was calling him to do. He said, hey, when I go to the Israelites, I'll say to them, the God of your ancestors sent me to you. Well, what if the people say, Who, what's his name? What should I tell them? So God responded in verse 14, as you heard, I am who I am. When you go to the people of Israel, tell them, I am sent me to you. <laughs> and that probably was not what Moses had in mind. God then, in the next verse, gave Moses some clarification. Verse 15. This is what you should tell the people. The Lord is the God of your ancestors, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. He sent me to you. And God then told Moses to gather all the elders and tell them these words. Verses 16 and 17 of Exodus 7. The Lord, the God of your ancestors, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, has appeared to me. He said, I care about you. I have seen what has happened to you in Egypt. I promised I would take care of, of, of your troubles in Egypt. I'll lead you to the land of the Canaanites, the Hittites, Amorites, Perizzites, Hivites, and Jebusites, a fertile land. And then in verses 18 and 19, the Lord, knowing Moses, was rather reluctant, explained to him exactly how this was going to play out. God said, the elders are going to listen to you, Moses. You and the elders need to go to the king of Egypt and tell him, and I know that the king of Egypt is not going to let you go without a show of power. So after I show my power through these miracles, he'll let you go. And I'm going to cause the Egyptian people to like you and they will give you all kinds of gifts. So God told Moses what to do, what would occur when he did it. But Moses still wasn't totally convinced that he was the one to do it. Chapter 4, verse 1, Moses said, well, well, what if the people of Israel don't believe me? What if they say, the Lord didn't appear to you? So, so Moses, he didn't believe that, that it would happen or it would work out the way God described it. So God said to Moses, okay, okay, here's what you do if the people don't believe you. That staff in your hand, throw it on the ground. So Moses threw the staff on the ground, turned into a snake. Moses was afraid of it. 
And God said, pick it up by the tail. He picked it up by the tail, turned back into a staff. That was the first miracle. Then the next one, put your hand in your cloak. Pull it out. He pulled it out, it was leprous. He said, put it back in. He put it back in, took it out again, it was healed. And then he said, if that doesn't convince them that I sent you to them, then you take some water and you pour it on the ground and it'll turn to blood. So this, this became a defining moment for Moses. God chose him to lead this whole nation of people out of Egypt. He called Moses to speak to the king of Egypt, persuade him to let all of Egypt's slaves go free, and not just go free, but to leave the country and settle in another land. This was quite a, I mean, as I've mentioned, a daunting task, and Moses has a decision to make here. God even assured him, it's going to work, and and that he would help him do it. And Moses responded in chapter 4, verse 10, Please, Lord, please, I've never been a skilled speaker. Even now, after talking to you, I can't speak very well. I speak slowly. I can't find the best words. So Moses here is very, very reluctant to accept God's call. And my question today is whether or not Moses' reluctance here was due to his humble spirit or was it due to something else? You know, Paul wrote in Romans 12, 3, For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, don't think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. So you could argue here that this is what Moses was doing. You know, he was thinking of himself with, with sober judgment. He told God, I'm just, I'm just not very good with words. I'm just not a good speaker. I'm really not the person to do this, is what Moses is trying to convey to God. However, God told him, you know, it's going to work. He told him in Exodus 3.12 that he would help him. He even told Moses in Exodus 4.11 when Moses complained about not being a very good speaker, he said, who do you think gave you the ability to speak? Who gives people the ability to hear or see? It's me. Now, go. I'll help you to speak. I'll teach you what to say. But Moses said to God, please pick somebody else. I mean, it sounds like Moses is being extremely humble. But I don't think that's what it was. I mean, yes, Moses was humble, but I don't think that's what the problem was here. I think it's more than just humility. I think it was fear and a lack of faith in God. And when, as I mentioned a couple of weeks ago, when fear is high, faith is low. Even though God told Moses, I'm going to be with you, I'm going to teach you what to say, it's going to work out just as I said. You know, a a lot of people have probably said something like that to you. You know, trust me. Anybody ever said that to you? Trust me, it's going to work. But you know they really don't know for sure. But God knows for sure. Humility can sometimes be confused with fear or a lack of faith. You know, God calls every one of you to serve in his kingdom. 
He's given you spiritual gifts in order to do that, in order to be successful at it. And one of the reasons he built the church was to give you a forum in which to do that. The Hebrew author encouraged his audience, chapter 10, 24 and 25, let's consider how to stir one another up to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. And please don't misunderstand. I mean, I'm not suggesting that you can only serve God within the confines of the church. I'm suggesting that the church not only provides opportunities to serve, but also the encouragement, the support, and the resources that every Christian needs in order to be successful. You know, we're called to proclaim His excellencies, to be His ambassadors. We've been talking about that in the young adult class. To serve one another and to make disciples. When a call goes out for volunteers, like it often does, or is listed in the bulletin, or maybe you're offered an opportunity to serve or participate in some ministry effort, it's, it's one of the means by which God calls you. Kind of like he did Moses, absent the burning bush. But if we have to get a burning bush to get you to do it, we might consider that. You know, those, those times become a defining moment for you. You know, God has even given you or said to you in Matthew twenty twenty, if you'll go and make disciples, I'll be with you. Uh, which implies that if you'll go and do that, he'll, you'll make disciples. He made a similar statement here that he did to Moses. You're going to make disciples because I'm going to help you do it. And when God said the, the, the words, I'll be with you, he means he's going to be right there with you. But he can't help you unless you're willing to step out on faith and try. If you remember when Peter saw Jesus walking on the water, he asked, he asked Jesus, he said, Lord, if it's you, tell me to come to you on the water. Peter wanted desperately to have the faith to walk on water. And he was willing to try. That was the key. He was willing to try. He got out of the boat. And Jesus blessed Peter by pulling him out of the water. And God will bless you if you will get out of the boat. And he will not let you sink. Now, you might think that you're simply being humble by saying to yourself, I can't make disciples. I don't know what to say. I don't know the scriptures very well. I don't even know how to begin. You know, is that humility or is that a lack of faith? When God tells you to go and, it say, go and do it and it says, he says, I'll help you. I'm going to help you do it. Then it really is a lack of faith. Or it could be something even worse. Could be a lack of interest. Studying God's word, gaining a greater understanding is important. I don't don't deny that. You know, but but studying God's word is is not an end in itself. It's a means to an end. James informs us 
to what the end is that the means is supposed to lead. He wrote, you need to be doers of the word. It was Paul who wrote in Ephesians 3.19 that love is greater than knowledge because, you see, love involves action. In, uh, in a book by Charles Swindoll titled Living Above the Level of Mediocrity, he tells this story. He says, legend has it that a man was lost in the desert just dying for a drink of water. And he stumbled upon an old shack, ramshackle, windowless, roofless, weather-beaten old shack. And he looked about the place and found a little shade from the heat of the desert sun. And, and as he glanced around, and he saw a pump about 15 feet away, an old rusty water pump. And he stumbled over to it, grabbed the handle, began to pump up and down and up and down, and nothing came out. Disappointed, he staggered back, he, he, but he noticed off to the side an old jug. And he looked at it, wiped away the dirt and dust, and read a message that said, You have to prime the pump with all the water in this jug, my friend. P.S. Be sure to fill the jug again before you leave. He popped the cork out of the, out of the jug, and sure enough, it was almost full of water. Suddenly, he was faced with a decision. If he drank the water, he could live. Ah, but if he poured all the water into the old rusty pump, maybe it would yield fresh, cool water from down deep in the well. All the water he wanted. He studied the possibility of both options. What should he do? Pour it into the old pump, take a chance on... Fresh, cool water and drink what was in the old jug or, or drink what was in the old jug and ignore its message? Should he taste all the water on the hopes of those flimsy instructions written no telling how long ago? So reluctantly, he poured all the water into the pump. Then he grabbed the handle began to pump. Squeak, squeak, squeak. Still nothing came out. Squeak, squeak, squeak. A little bit began to dribble out. Then a small stream. Finally, it gushed. And to his relief, fresh, cool water poured out of the rusty pump. He eagerly filled the jug, drank from it, filled it another time, once again drank its refreshing contents. Then he filled the jug for the next traveler. He filled it to the top, popped the cork back on, added this little note. Believe me, it really works. You have to give it all away before you can get anything back. When you read this narrative about Moses, you know, God was not happy with Moses on that day that he spoke with him at the burning bush. In fact, he became angry because Moses was resisting God's call. So God told Moses he would conscript Moses' brother Aaron to be the spokesperson for Moses and God said to Moses in Exodus 4, verse 15, You will speak to Aaron, tell him what to say. I'll help both of you to speak and teach you what to do. Aaron will speak to the people for you, Moses. You will tell him what God says and he will speak for you. And so in a, in a sense, God has conscripted you and me, his children, to speak for him in this world in this community. And like Moses, many of you are reluctant because you just don't feel qualified or equipped to do it. But God is saying to you, 
Who gave you the ability to speak? I'll teach you what to say and do. And I know, I know most of you would like for God to give you an errand to speak for you. But you really don't need a spokesperson because God will give you the ability to do it. Jesus said to his apostles in the context of acknowledging him before others in Luke 12, 11, When they bring you before the synagogues and the rulers and the authorities, do not be anxious about how you should defend yourself or what you should say, for the Holy Spirit will teach you in that very hour what you ought to say. So don't be a reluctant servant. The world desperately needs Jesus. All I have to do is turn on the news for about 15 minutes and you'll you realize that. And so God is, is calling you to tell your friends, your relatives, your co-workers, your classmates, your neighbors about Jesus. It's a defining moment for you. Will you or won't you? Humility does not say, no, I can't. I don't know what to say. Fear and a lack of faith says that. Humility says, you know, I'm not really sure I can do this, but with the Lord's help, I'll try and I'll, I'll do the best I can. And God says, I'll be with you. I will help you if you just try. Please, don't confuse humility with a lack of faith. Faith, according to Hebrews 11.1, 1, is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. God said, I'll help you. Do you have the faith? God calls you this morning to believe in his son, Jesus. Jesus calls all of you who are weary and burdened to come to him. And he'll give you rest. We live in a very burdensome world. world dominated by sin. Jesus offers you forgiveness, salvation, rest, and power. I encourage you this morning. If you're not a believer, if you haven't, uh, or if you are a believer, but you just haven't given your life over to Jesus, you just haven't humbled yourself before him, and walk down this aisle or said something to one of us afterwards. If you haven't made that decision yet, we encourage you to do that this morning. What better time? All your friends are here, all the people you love, people that love you. What a better time than this morning. Give your life over.